Hello and welcome to this morning's service of worship. My name is Katie and I am a first year ordinand at Ridley Hall, where I have spent lockdown living as one household with other resident students. Like churches around the country, our chapel has been closed. So we have been praying together in our common room and on the lawn, as well as over the internet with our fellow students living off site. This morning's service has been put together and filmed by students from three different theological training institutions, St Hild, Eastern Region Ministry Course and Ridley Hall. Many people will have known the pain and loss of imperfect endings and goodbyes over the last few months. Students moving on from their schools and colleges, people leaving workplaces, and at our training institutions, we have all felt the sadness of saying goodbye and sending out our fellow students into ministry without being physically together. But the kingdom of God continues to come in this time. And so today we will be reflecting on what it means to be sent out and to be fruitful in this changing world. Later on, we will be hearing inspiring testimonies from students at St Hilde and ERMC about what this looks like for them as they go out and serve God and the church as both lay and ordained ministers. from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And, and also with you. We come from scattered lives to meet with God. Let us take a moment to recognise his presence with us.
As God's people, we have gathered. Let Let us worship him together. Human sin disfigures the whole creation, which groans with eager longing for God's redemption. We confess our sin in penitence and in faith. In a dark and disfigured world, we have not held out the light of life. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. In a hungry and despairing world, we have failed to share our bread. Christ, have mercy. Christ, Christ have mercy. In a cold and loveless world, we have kept the love of God to ourselves. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. who loved the world so much that he sent his Son to be our Saviour, forgive us our sins and make us holy to serve him in the world, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. A reading from the Epistle to the Romans, chapter 8, beginning to read at verse 12. So then, brothers and sisters, We are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, It is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if in fact we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labour pains until now. 
and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This summer, I completed the academic part of my training at St Hill College in Murfield as an ordinand. Our leaver service, though moving, genuine and really heartfelt, was painful in that we weren't able to touch each other, we weren't able to hug. There was no ceremonial ordination like there had been the two previous years. In some ways it was such an anticlimax. I was feeling low and I was scrolling through Facebook and I came across a post that an ordinant friend of mine had made about Esther and how Esther had been called for such a time as this. I thought to myself, surely God knew the timetable of my ordination way back when. He knew the strange ending I and many like me would experience. And this thought really encouraged me. This year, my husband and I celebrated 26 years of marriage. When we got married, my husband and I, we couldn't afford the lavish wedding that we really wanted because we were students. And at the time, I did mourn it a bit. But looking back, it didn't detract one bit from the love I had for my then fiancé and now, 26 years later, the lack of opulence at the time has had absolutely no bearing on the quality of our marriage and our service to God. So, what does it mean to be fruitful in this changing world? To me, I've come to understand that as long as your relationships with God and those around you are genuine, the grandeur of the transition from one liminal space to another is not actually that important. At this hour and at this time, at such a time as this, whatever the context, my focus is to share the good news of Jesus Christ and to help others around me grow in the fruits of the Spirit in whatever way I'm able to. The kingdom of God continues to come, whatever the circumstances. As a minister of his church and of, and of the good news of Christ, I feel the constraints of our pandemic world force us to really think about what it means to be a church without walls, as our college principal Mark Powley put it. We're being called to emphasise on meeting people where they are, as opposed to fo the focus being on getting them to come to where we are, physically, spiritually, and meta metaphorically. Going forward, I think my role will be what the retail industry coined a couple of decades ago, a brick and click one. That is, being able to switch and adapt from virtual to reality in a breath. 
Being church without walls doesn't refer only to the physical walls of a building. I think our role as ministers of the gospel will continue to adapt and change so that it's got relevance to the people we're helping to serve. And I'm not quite sure what that'll look like entirely, but what I do know is that a year ago, nobody thought it would look the way it does today. And so who can say what creativity and innovation future changes might bring? During this next hymn, I'd like to invite you to reflect on how you are being sent out into the kingdom. The Gospel is taken from the 13th chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was asleep, the enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well, and the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, 
No, for in gathering the weeds you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burnt, and gather the wheat into my barn. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples approached him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burnt up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let anyone with ears listen. This is the Gospel of the Lord. May I speak in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? Our gospel text today, the parable of the plants and the weeds, is used by Jesus as a way of illustrating what the kingdom of heaven is like. Jesus is trying to convey not a physical or geographical kingdom, but a phenomenon that has not been seen or experienced by human beings before now. Here he presents to us a kingdom where apparent paradox is a reality and where, amid unexpected outcomes and seeming contradiction, not only is there hope, but also a call to faithfulness. The story begins with a master who sows seed in his field. One of the first principles I was taught when I began gardening was that above all else, the quality and condition of the soil must be right to ensure success. Careful planning and consideration must take place because seed is too precious and valuable to be sown anywhere. So we assume that the master has taken all necessary steps to mitigate for every eventuality to ensure a good harvest. All is well. Time passes and finally in their season and in their time, the plants come up. The servants expecting one thing, a field filled with healthy and bountiful plants, find weeds growing alongside the plants. This is not what they were expecting. Did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from, they ask. 
It is a question loaded with confusion, acute anxiety, and maybe even panic. How did they make sense of the unexpected outcome they are witnessing? In addition, how are they to respond to this new reality before them? These are strange and uncertain times is a phrase that I and countless others have heard repeatedly this year. We are passing through a time that has already left our world and our lives unrecognizable. I have found myself asking questions of a similar texture to that expressed by the servants in this passage. What exactly are we looking at? How can we make sense of it? We who are being trained for ministry and those who have been sent out, commissioned and now licensed have entered a world where there are more unknowns than ever before. This is not the field we expected. Like the servants in the parable, we are looking, yet we do not comprehend what we are looking at. To date, we have lost approximately 500,000 souls and counting to COVID-19 worldwide. This is also the year where we were unable to avert our gaze from an act of murder. We watched helplessly as a precious life created by God was extinguished from the face of this earth. For a lot of us, the aftermath of witnessing such an act of violence and the continued and mounting cost of the loss we are withstanding has left an indelible mark on our weary souls. This is the reality. To say otherwise would be false and at best delusional. So how are we to respond in the face of tragedy and pain? I believe that the parable holds within it an invitation from God for hope. For in this kingdom, there is a mixture of present reality and a future hope. But this is a hope that is hard because contradictions, flaws, and even mystery are all uncomfortable and unwelcomed in our world today. Society demands certainty and loose ends are not tolerated. Yet for me, the Christian faith is filled with mystery, questions, wondering, unclearness, as well as hope and truth. This is a living faith that resists society's demands for comfort and control. It is a faith that makes space for and holds uncomfortable tensions. On the one hand, it is a faith that acknowledges and recognizes the pain and devastation that is left in the wake of evil and calamity. On the other hand, it stands in the face of opposition and suffering and refuses for that to be the final word. And as it looks and moves forward in quiet confidence, it declares trust in a God who has proven to be steadfast. It is not either or, it is both and. Neither position is compromised or diminished. Both are held and both are true. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the strength given to us by the Holy Spirit gives us, the people of God, this hope. We are redeemed and called by name. We are called and sent out to be faithful. 
With all the surprises, disappointments, and contradictions, we remain called and licensed to be faithful and fruitful through it all. Like the servants in the parable, all of us, without exception, at one time or another, have had our hearts fail us. Yet, we are not forsaken, nor are we alone. The psalmist says, our help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. This is the one we serve. This is the author and finisher of our faith. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 to 25 says this, and this is my prayer for all of us. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do this. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.
we now affirm our faith together with the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the, the Father, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. My vocation has been shaped by my love of being outdoors and active. I have a varied background in sports science, outdoor instructing and being a forest ranger, to now growing into my calling. I have just completed my two-year reader training with ERMC, and I learned in a spirituality module that finding God in nature isn't anything new. With my outdoor education background, I have grown wild church. This takes church outside the walls. Wild Church is about exploration through both books of God, scripture and creation. The idea is to connect with the whole person and offer something holistic, connecting with mind, body and soul. This enables people to be in touch with the ground beneath their feet, the world about them, the God around and within them and their own true selves. Wild Church is similar to the fresh expression movement of Forest Church and encourages participation with creation, the human and the non-human world coming together. My passion is to engage with people for whom the traditional model of church is not an accessible option for whatever reason. With my specific vocation to read a ministry, I am called to be a witness to the unchanging love of God in a changing world. Some people call this a bridge ministry. I see it as more of a doorway or a gateway beyond the walls of a church. And the vehicle I am called to use is the created world. The premise is simple. I'm called to teach people and help them learn about the natural world, which will hopefully cultivate awe and wonder and will inspire people to look after the planet we all call home. We have a responsibility now. The reading from Romans 8 for today speaks of all creation waiting to be liberated into the fullness in God that we hope for. We are waiting and hoping for God's earth to be renewed, that is, for all creation. However, we are not to sit idly by and let the damage of the planet continue. Jesus knew the value. He spent time by lakes, on lakes, up mountainsides to be with Father God. He used nature as a teaching aid, as we can see from today's other reading. I believe we are all called to be stewards of the planet and look after our common home, and we can certainly catch glimpses of the kingdom of God here in our midst. I feel we are all called to look out beyond ourselves to the world and people around us on the patch of earth God has placed us. And we aren't doing this on our own. This is the Holy Spirit's work, which roots us all together we are all connected. To quote John Muir, when one tugs at a single thing in nature, he finds it attached to the rest of the world.
Let us pray for the world. Heavenly Father, we pray for our world and ask for your restoration. May your kingdom come and bring an end to all that divides us. Where there is inequality and prejudice, injustice and poverty or violence, pour in the riches of your grace the fullness of your mercy and the power of your love. Make us the people you want us to be and by the power of your Holy Spirit, enable us to be a force of love as we seek reconciliation. Lord Jesus, as we continue to live within a worldwide pandemic, Send your healing power across our lands and upon all people. Bring peace and comfort to those who are suffering or are in need. Guide our world leaders in the way of wisdom and truth, compassion and love. Thank you, Lord, that we can put our hope in you. Sustain us now to live in your world, that we might be the beating heart of your kingdom. In an ever-changing world, send us out to live in love and truth. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Heavenly Father, across our nation and across the world, many of our church buildings remain shut, and in many others we can't gather to worship in the way we long to. We're scattered, and we lament that. We lament all we've seen that still divides us. But we are also proclaiming that your church has not been closed. It is open and lives in each of us by your Holy Spirit. We are your church. Enable us to be your hope on earth. Father, you call all of us to flourish for your mission. And so we pray for all of us 
particularly those being sent out from theological training colleges, that you will empower us for your ministry in these changing times. Father God, by your Holy Spirit and in the name of Christ Jesus, help the church to build your kingdom, not with walls, but beyond them. Amen. Let us pray for ourselves. Heavenly Father, we bring our lives before you. We pray that we be anchored to hope. In hope, may we grow in trust, grow in love with you and the work you've called us to do. Father, let your kingdom come. Heavenly Father, you are the all-knowing, all-powerful God. In our weakness, strengthen us and empower us as we prepare to go out and for those who have been sent. Let faith rise up in us that we through you are able to do the impossible and see the world through your eyes. Father, let your kingdom come. Heavenly Father, may we called by you remain unshakable, immovable, steadfast and fruitful in our journey of faith that we depend completely on you, knowing and trusting that you who called us is faithful and trusting that you work all things together for our good. Father, let your kingdom come. Standing at the foot of the cross, each in our preferred language, as our Savior taught us, so we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, just our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Creator God, you made us all in your image. May we discern you in all that we see and serve you in all that we do. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. The love of the Lord Jesus draw you to himself. The power of the Lord Jesus strengthen you in his service. And the joy of the Lord Jesus fill your hearts. And the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be with you all, today and always. Amen.